Welcome to another episode of Reptile Fight Club. I am your host, Justin Julander of Australian Addiction Reptiles, and with me as always, Mr. Chuck Poland. I am here to Wang Chung tonight. Whoa, all right. Kind of Wang Chung. Did you ever know what that meant? Was that like some kind of weird dance or something? I... <laughs> Wing Chun is a kind of kung fu. That is definitely correct. Yeah. I don't know if it's, is it Wing Chun tonight or Wang yeah. Chun tonight. It's everybody Wing Chun tonight. Was, I, that was Wang Chun. Yeah. I thought it was Wang Chun. <laughs> I had a friend that did Wing Chun, so I think he thought it was the the yeah. fighting one. But <laughs> I don't know. That's okay. Yeah, if I there it was is Wang, a, Wang Chun. If there is a martial art called Wing Chun, then I definitely Wang Chun. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, we've we've got a um, Mr. Phil Leitz on with us again. Uh, thanks for being here, man. Somebody yeah, who definitely can Wing Chun better than I can. <laughs> <laughs> he would be in the Wing Chun category. Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. Yes. All day. You're, you cool. guys are ready for my Wing Chun Jiu-Jitsu style tonight. <laughs> All right. I Please don't know do not Wing Chun me can too defend badly. It. Yeah. I was no, gonna say. No. <laughs> no way. Man. No way. Uh, <laughs> Well, what's new with you? Well, uh, just it's it's like peak, just before peak season here. So mm-hmm. um, some of the first Euromastics clutches just hatched, um, and I've got oh man, I have a lot. It's it's a quality. It's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I I have a lot this year, and I'm mm-hmm. really nervous because I'm the only. I it's just me over here, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it's gonna be. <laughs> It's gonna be it's it's gonna be a busy season. I, uh, Justin, did you? I I posted those uh, chuckwalla eggs yesterday. Yeah, man, they are uh, rebounding. They're coming back. Oh, Uh, good. Yeah, they 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 were pretty shriveled when I found them. They were really, Uh, really, you know what I mean. In a a bad spot, or you didn't, you weren't expecting them, or what was what was the deal? No, so uh, she. It was kind of a mix of of both of those things. So I was Mm -hmm. expecting them. I, I have two female chucks. And um, they came, I, I, I brought them home last year. And when, in my experience, when you're dealing with wild caught lizards, mm-hmm. if, if they, the older they are, like the closer they are to adulthood, the harder mm-hmm. time they're going to have adjusting to sure. whatever you're going to provide in captivity for nest. I mean, I'm sure that's with everything, right? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's probably a fair and yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, I set up the first female, I, she was obviously gravid, she was big and fat. And so I set up a bunch of nesting spots all around the cage because I knew that chucks can be notoriously difficult in terms of where they want to lay. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd hatched them years ago, redbacks way back in the day and stuff like that. But this is the first time. Uh, these are the white tail chucks. And this is my first mm-hmm. time uh, getting those to breed. What's the and locality on them or where are they from? They are from uh, Arizona. There's a few a few places where they uh, where they occur. But um like Maricopa County mm-hmm. has has white tail chucks and redbacks and and some mm-hmm. other stuff. Um, cool. And yeah, they're they're they're. Do, do they breed true, or do you get redbacks and white tails in the same? So that they do the babies all they all definitely breed true. Okay. Um, the way they develop though, so whether you're talking about carrot tail, mm-hmm. white tail, or redback, you you the young males will all go through a very very similar development where they mm-hmm. all start looking like redbacks first. Hmm. Um, and then with the white tail and the carrot tail, as they reach maturity, they uh, the their back fills in completely black. 
and it's you're left with either just the carrot tail or just the white tail okay um my person like granite chuckwallas are kind of my personal favorite the ones from Mm -hmm. california and stuff Mm -hmm. from the southern california are the ones i like the most but for the white tail chucks i i don't know what it is that that there's something about them really compelling to me and everybody loves the the carrot tails and the red backs and i just i like the it's the same thing with collared lizards man everybody loves the blue eastern collards and stuff but i love the the vestigium the bajas and i love bison tories and reticulatus uh down Mm -hmm. down south i i like the more i'm much more drawn to contrast as -hmm. opposed to color um but but at any rate um the first female laid her eggs in the sand she just didn't Mm -hmm. use any of the nesting places which was a drag yeah and then this one um what i did is i stacked up a bunch of spanish roofing tiles and I stuffed them with cocoa fiber and moistened that cocoa fiber. Mm. And um, she used the spot, but then she backfilled with a bunch of dry sand. Oh, and so, yeah. but I found, and she laid overnight. And so I came in the next morning huh. and I pulled up the roofing tile and there were these eggs, but they looked real dented and, and they were shriveled and stuff. So, and most of the time when I find eggs that far gone, they're, they're usually toast. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, but uh, I put them in, pretty dry bedding and then added like a little uh, cap full of just standing water inside the container mm-hmm. and left it with with no air no air holes and it's they, mm-hmm. they, they stopped collapsing and then now they've started to puff back up so oh, they cool. they look like they're doing really well and um it, at first i thought maybe one or two but now all five of them are starting to come back so i'm just mm-hmm. like oh. rock on dude you, you still gotta <laughs> still gonna cross your fingers they they may not make it but you know it's still Mm -hmm. fun to to see some progress yeah right yeah yeah that's always nice yeah it's it's fun to get eggs regardless but it is kind of a bummer when you see them and you're like oh no are these gonna make it or not you know yeah yeah what about what about you guys i got some uh banded knobtail gecko eggs uh wheeler eye for the first time so yeah i'm pretty excited about that and yeah gee i i noticed they were looking bigger and i and i put them with males about a month ago so i'm like ah she's probably gravid i better Mm -hmm. give her some moist sand and so yeah luckily Mm -hmm. i i was ready for her and she she laid where she should have laid so yeah it's pretty nice and i i think i've got another one or or maybe two that that could go and then, you know, hopefully they'll give me a couple of clutches this year. But well, yeah, how many eggs to... is that? Is that is that a two geckos two? usually two? just lay two just per two? clutch? Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not I'm not sure if any geckos lay more than two eggs. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, sometimes you'll get one. One, you know, right? I'll get, I'll get right. one out of a lot of my uh, my morning geckos. They'll they'll yeah. routinely lay one get one egg, but sometimes they'll lay two. But yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I think it's mostly two for or most two or mm-hmm. one or two for everybody. I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure yeah. there's some out there that who knows. Somebody's yeah. gonna somebody's gonna send us angry messages like, oh no no, <laughs> I had a leopard gecko that laid three one time. Yeah. I'm telling you, <laughs> right? I'm like, uh-huh. All right. Yeah. I'm sure it's possible. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah geckos are fun. Uh, we're yeah. uh, working with some banded geckos now so they're, they're, oh nice my, my daughter kind of took on the project and she's pretty excited about it but the little colionics yeah. yep yeah dude they're, i love them yeah they're, they're really cool what me <laughs> so i one of the last times so years and years ago uh i went out with a couple of buddies out into arizona and california mm-hmm. and we we i brought back some colionics mm-hmm. and they they were mating in the deli cup Oh yeah. When yeah. we caught them off the road, they were just mating in the deli cup. Like, it's right, crazy. It's, 
Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. you just I mean, we put them in the tank and like yeah. threw in some food and they're just right on it, you know? Like oh, no yeah. no no waiting around, no establishing. I I think they just come from such a a severe environment they're like oh, yeah, yeah anything works for them you know and, and they, they are yep. so i mean and they got they've got to be eaten by everything oh, right yeah. everything yeah. eats them up whether it's the yeah. snakes or the lizards or the birds or the ro- raccoons or the rodents spiders <laughs> scorpions they're yeah, prey right? for everything so they right? just gotta go yeah and and <laughs> yeah. make make a lot of themselves so yeah they're gonna breathe <laughs> in the deli cup or yeah eat whatever is thrown in front of them so yeah absolutely yeah, they're cool i also got yeah. some jungle eggs so that's nice uh from my, oh i uh, saw that yeah Sick. i saw that she's she's, she's big huh yeah, she's a big girl, so I, I think I got cool looking. 13 eggs out of her. So she she, you know. she looks kind of white. Well, whitish, I think with the lighting. I, I, Is it the lighting? I mean, okay. I took like an iPhone picture, and you yeah. know, I had like the her her nest box was kind of lifted up, so I could collect the eggs from her. And I'm like, oh, that looks really cool, because like the light was peeking over the nest yeah. box onto her head, but then the rest of her was kind of dark. But she's really nice and yellow. She's got some really good yellow. But oh, cool. Yeah. How's so, the how's the male look? Is the male real nice? He's, he's a normal jungle, and he look he's got striped blood in him, but he's got, he's got really good black, like really dark black and that's nice. Nice. Yellow. So he's, oh, there he's you a go. Pretty snake. Yeah. Cool. So, nice. That's yeah. Exciting. Should be some nice ones. I, it's yeah. nice to have uh, jungles again. I've bred jungles for years and years. I kind of laid off of that for a bit. Well, yeah, after they were bringing them in like crazy from Europe. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Rock but on. It'll be nice to have them again. And and I've got a couple inland females that look like they're going to go any day now. So cool. Sweet. Yeah, it should be a good year for carpets uh, for me. Excellent. Excellent. So. How about you, yeah. Jeff? Um, I, I had a coat, the, I had a pair of oh, coastals yeah. that were outside that, that female laid on Easter. So that's, that oh. was kind of cool. So yeah, I think my zebra we, laid on Easter yeah, too. Got so, some yeah. Easter eggs. So that was yep. nice. Um, yeah. And uh, just, have, I've got a, a bunch of viper gecko eggs uh, in the incubator, and I had like three three of them hatch in the past couple of days. So Sweet. I've got yeah, it's just like some little viper geckos running around, which is fun and uh, love those. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. I don't I don't know how anything else is gonna do the rest of the year though. So because I, I I thought I thought maybe I had a couple more, and I'm just not sure now. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see yeah this is a fun time of year though i love yes it, it love is it's, it's never know best. what's gonna go until they lay and yeah yeah oh i'm yeah. on cross my fingers i can get these dang eggs to hatch that's the black-headed eggs oh that's yeah what I really, yeah i knew yeah, what I you meant good vibes man it's gonna happen i, I, I yeah i sure hope so they Just, still look yeah. good or what are you, you yeah yeah they're looking good um, all right they, they, yeah you got well, this man. i guess no um just the last clutch i got was two years ago and and they look good but then we moved like right yeah the and so that kind of i think that's what but, but i mean they, like you know they went full term you yeah know, like i mean i, I kind of feel like you have the the failure correlated to the move right like it's not yeah. like it's not like not like they went full term and you like were like oh they're dead what happened yeah. like you, you know there was yeah like, i had some indication of what yeah, went wrong yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, for sure isn't it but. isn't it strange how some stuff seems so sensitive where you make one change and you you're done that's yeah tough tough shit next year Are you're there, gonna have to try again yeah. i got a buddy who uh, who will remain nameless, who uh, uh, went to, I, I don't remember where he was, somewhere in the southern United States, 
and he found some turtle eggs. And I don't remember what kind of turtle, but he, he put them in a container and put them in the suitcase, brought them home, and they hatched, man. Like, at, <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah you're like, that's crazy. I've seen just... people like ship you eggs ready to hatch and yeah. they'll do it for turtles and stuff. It's like, what? Wow, that seems really weird. Chaos. And they guarantee they'll hatch for you and stuff. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah. So crazy, man. It is. So yeah. crazy. People now who you drop, can be a breeder drop by eggs, mail. <laughs> drop eggs on the ground yeah. and then pick them yeah. up and they hatch. Like, yeah, right. Uh, what yeah. the hell? Yeah. remarkable yeah i sure. i i noticed that my uh, crested geckos at work had laid a ton of eggs and i just mm. had the first hatchling from that batch of All eggs right. that i didn't know was there and you know nice. like oh, i wonder why they're digging around in their cage and i'm like oh there's like 10 eggs in the, in the cages so, <laughs> nice yeah. So hopefully, um, got a bunch of. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with them, but they're they're hatching out. I guess they, they we have a new uh, reptile shop locally. Uh, oh, nice. Jay's uh, Jay's Pets uh, or Jay's Jungle. Yeah, the last all one right. was Jay's. Yeah, but uh, so they've been like all selling you know animals here and there. Yeah, sure. They're they're really cool people. So Very if, you're nice. in, if you're in Northern Utah, come check them out. <laughs> 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 Huh? Um, what else is going on? Anything of note? You're, you're hatching eggs out already, huh? You got baby oh, gymnastics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's, the, yeah. what's the incubation time on those? Um, it, it ranges just a little bit based on species. So mm -hmm. um, some stuff like Thomasi and Princeps can hatch uh, about 55 days. Okay. Um, it, it, but it depends a little bit. You know, if you, you cook them pretty hot, like Mm -hmm. uh i i incubate everything at about 90 to 92 oh, okay. um some stuff i put down to 88 you know because they they just they incubate they like it toasty yeah. um and at that at, at the at the 90 to 92 the thomas i hatched 55 60 days and okay. then stuff like the egyptians will take closer to 75 maybe 80 days um at the same temperature mm -hmm. um and then I've had a, a couple, I've had a handful of like Yemenensis or Flava Fasciata where they're mm -hmm. maybe a little bit larger or, or, and maybe I put them at 88 instead of 90 and it takes them 80 days sometimes. Okay. Um, it, it varies just a little bit. Um, and then it, it also seems to vary a little bit based on the, uh, um, like sometimes when stuff hatches super fast and right away, the babies are like extra vigorous and grumpy mm. and mm -hmm. for whatever reason they were just ready to rage and then sometimes if it takes a little longer it you know maybe the baby hatches and it's good but maybe it's a little smaller than some of the mm. some of the other ones or maybe it takes a couple extra days to get feeding mm. i don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that I, yeah. you know but it it's just an interesting observation i think that the vast majority of my stuff like it's kind of a little bit of a mess but that's one of my incubators right there you mm -hmm. can see in the, in the background it's one of the little hot box incubators and um yeah the most of the stuff hatches pretty quickly and you know they hatch within a few days of each other and they're ready to rage but you know uh they vary a lot but what i'm what i'm not looking forward to even though it's the best time of year is when everything's out oh yeah because yeah. there's gonna be oh <laughs> i mean yeah. there's there's a lot 20 of baby 20 baby Egyptians and but before they go home those things are going to be eating and crapping five times a day just mm -hmm. just letting it rip and I'm just wow. you know summertime is nothing but poop 
poop cleaning. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Scooping. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the fun, right? That's it is. It fun. is. It is. Yeah. It's crap. Yeah. It's craptastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. It just seems, I don't know. So for some reason, it's so much funner to clean up after babies. Than it is oh yeah. Clean up. Oh after yeah. Babies. Oh yeah. 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 The only time it's not is when you get like one of those, one of those days where the, all the babies decided to take a dump at the same time and then they decide to paint the cage yeah you know and you're like no i have to take i have to take all of you out and i have to soak you guys and get that crap off of you and i have to clean all the cage furnishings and oh man yeah. see um, i just make them wear it and teach them why. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's a good idea show me your war face yeah. oh man all right well awesome. are we uh ready to fight yeah heck yeah let's do this get into this all right so today we're talking about a focused collection versus a more diverse collection um yeah. which one is really a better thing right <laughs> so yep. um let's see well chuck we'll have you call it and see who gets to debate phil today so okay why don't you call it in the air Oh, what the hell? That was tails. <laughs> you're right. Oh, yeah. dude, you were. And I just want you. I just want to clip. paint the scene here. Justin <laughs> tried to obscure the coin toss, so oh, he, he... you're trying to paint the scene like yeah. Phil's lizards paint the cage. That's, That's correct. Right. That's correct. Because it was a oh, bunch of right. shit all over the place there. All right. But based well, on the trajectory in the arc, I could tell, folks, that that was uh, a tail's throw. That's so great. Oh, uh, that's great. Okay. Well, Phil, you ready to call it? Or, yeah, sure. Okay, I guess, do you want to debate him or do you want me to? I want you to. You want me to? I want you All right. to. I want All right. you, you guys. I've been talking for like an hour today. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel right. like, I, I feel I'm, like this I'm is Phil's. Fight. I yeah. feel like this is Phil's. I'm trying to. I'm yeah. trying to give give Phil a, a a good a good fight here, Justin. You're yeah. worn down. You're you're ripe for the picking. Oh get him, man, get him, Phil. I still got enough vinegar and piss in me. So <laughs> all right. nice. All yeah, right, Phil. You ready, you ready to call it? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. I'm gonna go tails again. We got heads. Oh, oh. <laughs> that looked like all okay. right. I'm not gonna lie. I would have probably <laughs> called that one a tails as well, Phil. So oh. <laughs> while my, my record stays intact, I must admit that my formula did not calculate on that throw. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. You win some, you lose some. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I'm going to go with, uh, with what I've got with a varied collection. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they all kind of revolve around Australia. I guess that's maybe something we need to start out with is kind of right. defining that. So yes. um, what, what we consider a focused or a diverse yes. collection. So yes. um, I'm, I'm going to let you go first. So you're, you're going to okay. be fighting for the, the case of the, the specialized. focused specialized collection and, yeah. and what that means, I guess, what a specialized yeah. focus collection means to you. Okay. Yeah. So, um, let me, that's, that's a great, I wanted to, uh, definitely was thinking to outline the same thing, um, mm -hmm. early on, because I think specialization is going to depend just a little bit on what your particular, um, preference might be. So like, for example, in my case, I tend to be pretty focused on mostly desert reptiles. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but I could also see specialization being one species, one color form, one, region 
one climate, one continent, one genre. I mean, there's so many different ways yeah. to split that level of specialization, right? I'm a reptile specialist. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we specialize in reptiles, yeah, exactly. right? Like I, I have just lizards. I don't keep any snakes here. Uh, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I've got some, yeah. I got a corn snake at home just for me and my fiance. It's just because we mm -hmm. like it, but you know, but there's no, anyway. So uh, um, I, I think that it, the, the, the way that specialization is going to push you in one direction or direction or another will depend a little bit on how you choose to specialize. So, mm -hmm. and, and, and actually um, I was talking with another friend about this a little earlier today, just kind of talking just because I was <laughs> telling him about, we were going to do this. And he was like, well, what do you mean? And <clears throat> I was telling him how, if you put my, if I were to put my time with reptiles on a sliding scale, it tends to just drift back and forth between more specialized and less specialized, you know? Mm -hmm. And some of that is because I have a little bit of ADD. I'm addicted. To, I just love everything. There's, you know, yeah. there's, there's so I, many cool reptiles. It's really so many. Yeah, focused. exactly. There's so many <laughs> yeah. cool things. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then I guess it's going to depend a little bit on if you're just collecting, like if, if you're just keeping as purely as a hobby, mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter as much if you choose to go. And I, I think in either direction, I mean, it matters a little, right. But, sure. um, and, and, and we'll get into that. But, um, I think if you choose to do reptiles as a business too, that changes your calculus because, and, and I'm not, I, uh, I'd like to, I'm hoping that we can keep it relatively free form where, you know, maybe in some, you know, we'll say in some situations, it's good to do this. And in some situations, because, it just yeah. seems like that's the way it goes. But sure. Um, from a business perspective, at least, um, it does seem that specialization tends to tends to help a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think there are a few reasons for that. One is you can really, really dig into the nitty gritty of what makes that one kind of animal tick. So in my own uh, facility, for example, even though I keep a diverse number of species, I'm drifting more and more towards really primarily keeping Euromastix ornata. Mm -hmm. um, and some of that is just a, a preference. I, I just love that species a lot. I find myself drawn, like, I really want to keep all five or six of these ones. I don't want to sell these, yeah. you know, like it's, they're just so beautiful. They're rightly so. Yeah. They're oh, probably the prettiest dude. lizard out there almost. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> yeah. They are a, a ground dwelling <laughs> desert panther chameleon is what they are, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. And, um, and so you can, you can specialize and that allows you to narrow down the number of variables that you're dealing with on any day to day or year to year basis. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that it, it tends to be maybe a little bit more financially safe. So, you know, if you're keeping 50 different species and you're splitting your attention and your time and your focus between 50 different things that have varied needs and requirements, you might be less efficient at providing top-notch uh, care to each individual species. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, it's not always the case, but... Uh, from my experience, that's that's one of the things I deal with. Uh, I, I would say it's I would say you're pretty spot on with that. And the people who do that well are are few and far between. I, I think Joey Muggleson is probably one person I can think of 
who does yeah. quite a bit of different stuff and he right. seems to do year to year very well um, yeah. obviously i don't know joe probably i mean justin you you live yeah, I've been to, to his place I, a couple times he's, do, he's got a very diverse collection and, and makes a go of it really well but i mean um he's got a warehouse you know yeah. he's set yeah, up yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. good size and, yeah. and and he's full-time and he's got employees yeah. and you know some of his employees Ooh. maybe specialize on certain groups uh, or things yeah. like that so yeah. you sure. know it, within the diversity so I, I maybe that's an argument against myself but i, I want to address maybe well, it's, the, it's infrastructure right it's sure i mean yeah okay exactly. sorry go ahead, go ahead. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll address the uh the the cost issue and i i would say one pitfall of of just really specific specialization is most reptiles kind of have that ebb and flow of popularity and whether or not people want to buy them. So if you're just breeding as a business, trying to breed one species and all of a sudden they kind of fall out of fashion, you're sitting on a lot of babies or you're having to wholesale and you're not making as much and you're totally. you know, going through a lot of work for, for not a lot of things. So, uh, you know, in, in the case of a, a more diverse collection, you can kind of put those on hold or just kind of maintain them as, you know, and not pair them up and not breed them and just keep them, as, you know, as pets for a little while until, Absolutely. you know, that that comes back around and that cycle, you know, be back when, where they're more popular. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can if you have a more diverse collection, you're going to appeal to a broader audience. And so at reptile shows, you know, they're going to come to your table because you have just a huge diversity. And that's one of the fun things about going to Joey's table is he's got a lot of different things to look at and a lot of cool species that not everybody has. You know, he's got crocodile lizards or, or, oh, uh, yeah. you know, blue monitor, blue tree monitors, or, you know, these things that he's bred. And, you know, he's got some really kind of cool eclectic tastes that not a lot of people even know about some of the species he keeps, you know, so mm -hmm. it's, it's really a fun, fun thing to see his table. So I think people are drawn to that and you'll see that, you know, with all the importer booths, you know, they've got just mm -hmm. like a huge diversity and, you know, mm -hmm. this at least Joey's stuff is really <laughs> healthy and, and maintained well. And, you know, it's not just going to die when you get it home or something, which may not be the case with some of the other, <laughs> bit, you know, diverse tables. Totally. Um, but so, so it is a little tricky to do, but I think, you know, in, in, and I guess I'm not necessarily talking about, um, you know, huge diversity all, all across the map, but I think you can diversify to some extent. Like, I guess my collection I would consider somewhat diverse. So I've got mm -hmm. pythons and skinks and, and geckos. And, you know, yeah. they, they all have kind of different requirements, but they all can be housed in the same room as long mm -hmm. as you kind of meet what they need. And yep. um, I'll, I'll talk more about uh, kind of that, you know, how, how to maintain a diverse collection in the same room. But sure. Um, so I'll, I'll let you uh, chime in here if you've got something to say. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I definitely don't disagree with you on that at all. Um, I think that what, one of the things that I like, cause I, I'm a, I've listened to your guys' show every time it comes out also. And I think one of the running, you're our one listener, our, <laughs> we found him. Just, the, just the one. Now who's going to listen? <laughs> you're on. That's, that's awesome. Um, and, and I think like a running theme is that even though that the, the theme of the show is, is fight reptile fight club, most of the conversations seem to fall towards there's kind of a lot of ways to do this, right? There's a lot of different ways to get this kind of thing done. And, and I think it, obviously it's a great setup because it's really good for us to take a specific position. It helps for better conversation. And um, I think one way that I, one 
particular topic that is a little sensitive to to my sensibilities at the moment is, um, and this would probably, this is going to speak to Justin, to your profession. Um, when you specialize, when you focus, um, when you do what I've heard Philippe de Vaucholet call a reptile monoculture, um, mm. you run the risk of um, increased risk of pathogen introduction. So like not introduction, but um, susceptibility to pathogens. Because if you're keeping the yeah. same species, say, or the same, even the same genre, right? Like all, all the mm. Euromastics, they could all catch the same problem, whether it be a yeah. virus or some other you know, a little bug or protozoa or parasite or something. And it could, it could sweep through everybody. If I'm not careful, mm -hmm. um, there's a, a, there's a, an oral, uh, fungal issue that occurs in Euromastics, um, that is not treat. It's not curable. And mm -hmm. it's once it's there, you, you can't, you know, you can manage it, but it's always yeah. going to be there. Uh -huh. And so I have, worked very, very, very hard to not have any animals here with that problem. Mm -hmm. um, and But if one slipped through my quarantine, it could threaten the whole thing. Yeah. And which is a big problem for a long-term project. Now, if, which is again, sort of an argument for a diverse collection for, for your side, but I would say that perhaps there's a downside there as well, because let's pretend I have a super diverse collection and maybe I only have four Euromastics. Well, mm -hmm. the same thing can happen. And either A, it's going to wipe out those four and I'm going to have to figure out a new way to get those animals. But also it may, you may see a spread, right? It, yeah. it may not be contained to just one, mm -hmm. uh, one animal, one type of animal. And by having a super diverse collection, you may, <laughs> you may run a higher risk. That was pretty good. Um, you may possibly run a higher risk of getting some crossover, some, uh, Europeans meet the Mayans kind of, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of, kind of thing happening. So I could yeah. see both of those turning into a bit of a problem. For sure. Yeah. I, I, uh, have a friend that's going through that here in Utah. He, he had a collection of ball pythons and got a, a nidovirus and it just roared through his whole collection and he said it's just tragic going into the reptile room seeing uh, now who's dead you know and like oh there's nothing God. he can really do about it except try to isolate the ones that are sick and he's like well when it spreads like that and everybody's Ugh. sick it's it's well, tragic so and i i mean yeah. i almost feel like you know when you have a diverse collection you can get something that's completely asymptomatic you bring something in in an animal that's completely asymptomatic and mm -hmm. like you know, a lot of people, maybe they keep a diverse collection, but you know, most of us keep like, like pythons, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and you can bring in, um, you know, uh, a chondro that's asymptomatic and it makes all of your carpets and all of your ball pythons really, really sick. Right. So yeah. that, that's like, yep. that, that's kind of, uh, to me is almost, you know, at least if you have one, if, if you're specializing, um, you, you, you can safeguard your protocols and you can do all of those things and, and, yeah. and, and potentially catch that, uh, because, you know, you're working very similar to something, uh, whereas if it's diverse, you may quarantine that thing and it may be completely asymptomatic. You could yeah. even test it and it yeah. may not test positive, but then when you put it in the collection, boom, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I Go ahead. Yeah, and no, that's totally dead on, man. And um, uh, I meant to 
say this before, but it, it slipped out of my mind. But um, when you're working with a specialized group, so let's say in 10 years, let's say I'm doing nothing but Ornata, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, it's very likely that by that time, I won't be bringing in any new animals, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a sufficient colony of Ornata. I mean, I already don't really, I'll bring in wild caught stuff, but that's it you know, just because it need I need, you know, you might need new genes here and there. Mm -hmm. But um, I, my goal already is I don't, I have a standing rule for the last few years. I'm just not going to bring in new animals from people because I've got enough here to where I don't need to bring in any animals. And I wouldn't have that sort of um, uh, sort of like genetic security safety net. If I, if I, if I had a very, very diverse collection, because it's harder to maintain a sufficient population size with a very, very diverse collection, unless you are uh, like uh, Joey and, and myself, where you've got a, a shop, you've got a flex mm -hmm. warehouse space, and you can afford to have a lot of different animals, even even 20 species and have 20 individuals of each 20 species. I mean, that could be very safe, but um, it, 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 there is a certain level of, of um, peace of mind that I get out of knowing that nobody new has to come here. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, at least with regard to pathogens anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, when you have, and this is to your point, when you have a, a focused collection, you know what to look for, you know, oh, yeah. you know what the, you know, <laughs> unless something new pops up or something, mm -hmm. you know, you know what you're looking for and you know mm -hmm. what to expect and what a sick animal looks like. And so that's, that's very helpful. Um, right. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, you know, I would say if with uh, that kind of focused collection, at least people like you know like like you mentioned we run the risk of getting bored with uh, you know just mm -hmm. doing the same thing and it's like totally. okay i've done this for 10 years in a row you know i want yep. something new or a new challenge and so it can be you know maybe a little tedious if you if totally. you're the one keeping that one i remember there was somebody back in the day that specialized in just pastel ball pythons like that's all okay and they, and they made a good go of it for several years you know and they had some yeah. really nice looking pastels and they could yeah. refine that one gene and make you know make them look really nice but um you know what happens when you know they kind of fall out of favor i, I guess i touched on that before but yeah you know it, it seems yeah. like after a while you'd just be like okay i'm, I'm done with the pastel thing <laughs> i want to try something else or move on sure to another project or something so and and yeah, yeah. they didn't they I think they moved on to something else or, or mm. left mm -hmm. left the hobby altogether i don't know mm. so hopefully hope, yeah that hopefully didn't be, leave altogether but mm -hmm. <laughs> that'd be a bummer yeah. so <laughs> i you know I, I think you know having a more diverse collection lets you uh kind of get get new challenges and learn sure. about new new species and new uh um you know get, get uh, experience with more things and yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you're you're dead on with that one. And, and that would have been a, a, another argument that I would definitely try to make in your favor is that, <laughs> I mean, I do that all the time. You know, I again, I focus on the euros, but I also mm -hmm. have Xenogama and I have mm -hmm. dwarf iguanas and I've got chucks and I've got um, Amy as well, yeah. you know, and, and I do that because I get bored. Mm -hmm. um, and, and also it, not just boredom, but also, you know, if you're working with a lot of different stuff, Sometimes you find something, some random quirk of, oh, it turns out that chuckwallas and Euromastics are pretty much the same thing. One's just from North America and one's from the Middle East. And yeah. it turns out these roofing tiles and these things that the chuckwallas love, all the Euros love them too. So you get this, mm -hmm. this uh, cross compatibility with some of your care te techniques and um, yeah. some of the, you, you start noticing preferences across animals that maybe sort of inhabit similar environments or some 
you know, some sort of similar ecological niche. Um, but I, I will also say that uh, something that I'm noticing, again, I'll use the Ornata as a bit of an example, is I, I'm getting to the point now with that particular species where I can notice nuances about Euromastics or not a broadly mm-hmm. that I I may never notice in something like Princeps or a Thomasi where I you know maybe I have a smaller population of those or yeah. um, you know maybe le- like fewer animals and um, this would maybe plug into another point I I wanted to make which is about um, sort of scientific uh, rigor mm-hmm. you know like if, yeah. if you're keeping a very diverse <laughs> collection. Uh-huh. You might say, well, you know, I and not everybody does this, but we all know a lot of people do this. They'll say, oh, Phil, you know, Euromastics Philbii does X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, but you have four of them. Yeah. yeah. You only have four. That's nothing. That's a, yeah. it's a, it's a meaningless data point, right? It's, mm-hmm. you, it's, you're using anic data, yeah. right? Um, and it's not, that's not sufficient. Whereas with Ornata, I'm getting to the point where, I mean, I still don't even consider the numbers that I've got anywhere close to a sufficient sample size, but I, I am starting to see um, really, really similar like uh, pattern and color combinations that occur in Ornata. Mm-hmm. And that's allowing me to notice quirks in, oh, that animal has a striped pattern across the back and is developing cobalt and salmon and that's very rare that you see that particular pattern coupled with that particular color. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, the cobalt and salmons have oscillations on the back, and it's weird. So, you know, I, I'm starting to think about some of this a little bit like um, I would imagine some people think about their koi operations or some of their bonsai operations, right? You can, you can tweak and refine and and shave off all those beautiful all those little little extraneous and superfluous things that mm-hmm. you'll you would never be able to do with um a sufficient level of diversity yeah you know? yeah and um, and just the nuances of keeping you know the more yeah. you specialize the more you just delve into and notice differences in behavior or or patterns to behavior like you said when you know i think if you if you have four animals, it might take you twenty years to get to that point. Or, yeah. and it, or whereas if you have twenty animals, it might take you four years. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's all about sample size and and looking at trends and you know because I yeah. mean uh, you know anything's going to have its individual personality to some extent. Each mm-hmm. you know no no two animals behave the same exact way, and so um, the more you have, the more you learn. So I, I think I'd trust somebody like you, you know, that has <laughs> numbers yeah, over somebody yeah. who's got their yeah. first pair and, and read about them on the internet and is also yeah. an expert. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. And, and I do think you can extend that to a diverse collection where if you keep, you know, a, a bunch of different species of pythons or a bunch mm-hmm. of different monitor species or something, you know, you can kind of look at trends yeah. in, in the group, you know, what, right. you know, how, how pythons and, and how certain species are different from others or fill different niches and, and mm-hmm. nippers and, and, you know, that kind of idea. So yeah. um, it's, it's really, uh, I guess you can, you can gain similar um experience by having a diverse collection i mean yep. 
you know, your, your specifics aren't going to be as specific, but mm -hmm. you know, overall you're going to have a really good handle on the group, you know, or, Absolutely. or multiple groups or, or, um, you know, that kind of idea, I suppose. For sure. I know, uh, I, I, you know, one of my good friends, uh, Terry Phillip, he's got, you know, he takes care of a very diverse collection of reptile gardens. They have, I think the biggest collection of reptiles in the, in the U S maybe the world. I think they were awesome. in the Guinness book of world records for a while as having the most diverse collection. And so he kind of, um, identified, you know, or, or at least maybe went along with, uh, some, some, uh, uh, other ideas and kind of refined them but mm -hmm. you know he kind of identified that hey when you're keeping you know most reptiles they do well at 80 degrees like they mm -hmm. kind of that constant mm -hmm. temperature of 80 fits mm -hmm. you know is, is the most common denominator out of all mm -hmm. these different species you know and so mm -hmm. and that's how you know they kind of maintain that uh, collection there is they heat the room to 80 and and that's mm -hmm. that's sufficient for most of the species that they keep to to do their normal functions and even breed and things mm -hmm. like that. So you do but have to kind of but find those Terry, least common denominators. Wouldn't Terry also say that sometimes he might sacrifice some success with reproduction because he splits to the mean? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, like, like, you know, we were talking about once you specialize, you get further and further in depth and, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there, there is some nuance to a building. Like I said, you know, I've got, uh, a species of leaftail gecko, the, the uh, riverine leaftails, Pylorus uh, mm. amnicola, that yeah. uh, live in fairly cool temperatures, at, you know, kind of at the top of a mountain or high up in a mountain range. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, live next to streams. And so they don't need a, a high degree of heat in their environment and cage. I mean, it might get warm at where they live. But so I keep them, you know, without a light and without, you know, the extreme, extreme yeah. heat, they just do well at the, the room temperature and yep. they do fantastically well. They're very low maintenance and they, you know, don't, don't eat a lot of food and things like that. So mm -hmm. I can find a spot in my herp room that works for them, you yep. know, if, and if that doesn't work, I'll take them to my office, at, you know, work office and, and set them up there where, you know, it's a little cooler, uh, consistently, you know, Sorry, yeah. I just pet a furry dog and I got dog hair. All <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Everyone, who, yeah, these guys yeah. saw it and they're like, "What the hell?" I, I, I thought I thought you were wrong. fan. I thought you were fanning a fart, man. That's a no, completely I, different face. <laughs> Much worse. I, uh, I I do the same thing, Justin. So my mm -hmm. Amy, for example, I have UV. I put them under UV, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't have any supplemental heat on them at all because mm -hmm. the ambient temperature in the in the room here is plenty. Right. Yeah. Um, and what I do is I actually rotate them. So I'll move their cages from in the winter. They're up above on upper shelves because um, then there's like getting the rising heat from some of the mm -hmm. heat lamps. And then in the summertime, I put them on the floor because then they don't get, you know, it just helps make it so they're because if I keep them up at the top during the summer, they'll they'll cook. I mean, mm -hmm. it's yeah, you know, it's like a, it's like a hundred ridiculously. Yeah, it's a, the, probably one hundred and ten degrees up on the ceilings. Yeah. Uh -huh. The euros, they just go crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh uh, you know, another thing I was going to say too, is that there's kind of, there's some other downsides to specializing too. So, so for example, I know I'm totally making your point now, but, um, uh, the, for example, uh, uh, um, the, uh, supplies, like you can get dependent if you're, if you're a specialist, yeah. you can get very dependent on a specific set of supplies mm -hmm. or food 
or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. So I know that California has the, they don't do halogen lights anymore. You can't, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I've had a, a huge influx of customers asking me, what do I do? Where do I get lights? Because I can't get halogens anymore. So they either have mm. to go get reptile specific stuff or they have to go order online and get it sent to them. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you've like me, I, you know, I've got standing orders every year with, you know, X number, you know, with a handful of different light manufacturers or, you know, mm -hmm. if, um, if the grocery store is all of a sudden stopped carrying certain greens, you know, I'd be, I could be in a bad spot. Right. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. it certainly leaves you with some level of, of vulnerability. Um, but then, uh, one of the other problems I found when I've tried to diversify my particular collection for, um, you know, so for example, I also have Cuban nitinoles, a couple species, right. And they, mm -hmm. they don't like it hot here. They just don't. And they do much, much better in, in cooler spaces. And so when I was trying to keep them in the warehouse, I had to throw, I had to get like a portable air conditioning unit and blow mm -hmm. it on them. So that way, cause they yeah. just get so hot yeah. and eventually I've just, I've just moved them back to my, my home now because there's nothing else there and yeah. they can just, it's just much easier for them, but yeah. it's almost you know, not worth the resource input. No, it's not. It's just, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And yeah. you know, so when you specialize and, and by specializing in desert reptiles, I've been able to make interesting improvements to the way I house everything. So, so just a few random examples, because everything here likes it scorching hot. Um, I have so many lights and I have so many, just so many bulbs going that I don't have to use very high wattage bulbs most mm -hmm. of the time, yeah. you know, in the summertime, mm -hmm. I can drop down to 50 watt bulbs on the euros because they just, it's just so hot. There's 500 bulbs in yeah. the winter, in the winter time. Sometimes I have to bump that up totally normal. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it, I'm also able to plug and play in a way where, you know, I mentioned the Amii, so they, they don't require any supplemental heating. They can, you know, I have a dubia colony. My dubia colony feeds the Amii. It also feeds my anoles. It also feeds my, um, my Xenogama, you know, mm -hmm. and I have mealworm colonies for the same purpose. So yeah. you're, you're able to, um, if you can find animals that fit that specialty, you, you almost can, get like a synergy out of it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the yeah. word. That's the vocabulary, the synergy. Yeah, trying to keep a like a dubia colony for for like a pair of amia or, you know, yeah. like it, yeah. it's kind of a, a, you know, not really. And actually, I, I found kind of a cool thing. I, I threw in some mealworms with my dubia colony, and now mm -hmm. I've got as many mealworms in the colony as I have dubia. They <laughs> like just, they, are they just um, living in the litter, in the litter? Uh -huh. Yeah. That's so awesome. I, so I don't really uh, take out the, the waste from the, the roaches and they right. seem to, cause they can burrow in there and, and the, yeah. the, the babies can escape the, you uh -huh. know, whatever. And so yeah. they seem to do much better with a layer of the frass or whatever you want to call it. Okay. And then the mealworms get in there and, and do great. So I, I, cause I, I've got mealworm colonies as well, but yeah. the mixed mm -hmm. dubia mealworm colony, I think almost does better than the, I'm the gonna, mealworms alone. I'm going to try kind of that. Yeah. I'm going to try that. I have <laughs> it. So that was a fun little thing. It is, man. My, my dubia colony has, um, those little Buffalo beetle larvae oh, in there. Yeah, yeah. And I love those things because my baby Amy, I like, or not Amy, uh, my hatchling Xenogama Taylori, mm -hmm. they, they, they come out so tiny, you know, mm -hmm. that they're yeah. not really like little mealworms and stuff just aren't really suitable. But yeah. those little Buffalo beetle larvae, Buffalo beetle larvae, just, they love that stuff. Mm -hmm. 
And all mm -hmm. I got to do is sit a pepper or an orange on the litter for five minutes. <laughs> and then I flip it over and I scrape all the worms into a cup, shake them up and dump them into a bowl. Yeah. And the tailor, I just pick them off all day long. It's, oh, that's cool. it's so perfect. Yeah. And it, it, that's the, that's that synergy stuff that, yeah, you know, like that works exactly. out great. Yeah. Well, that's, I was thinking, I was looking at, I thinking about doing some black fly, uh, black fly, the black soldier fly. Uh, yeah. Those yeah. seem like a really, uh, good, you know, food source. And, and I like to diversify my insect feeders and, oh, yeah. you know, just not just have one all the time. Oh, yeah. So I was thinking about adding those. It, it might be a little bit of a pain here you know, to, uh -huh. for the, for the adult flies. So maybe I'll just order them. But, um, I, I saw these, these ingenious ways of raising the black fly larvae, you know, and they okay. have these specialized kits you can get that kind of funnel the larva and then oh. they fall into a cup so you know that's and they awesome. just they just move up the ramp and just dive into this cup and then you just pull the cup out and you've got a cup you know ready to feed to your lizards or something so i thought that's oh what a, what a nice little thing that would be but they seem yeah. to do really well but you just have yeah. to pump them with your you know uh vegetable waste or your oh yeah you know uh decomposable waste and i yep. there was a guy that was That's, living on a boat kind of like homesteading on a boat out in southeast asia somewhere and he had like a colony of black soldier flies and they would actually put their waste in with those and the, oh. and the flies would you know get rid of the waste or something it's kind of crazy they, did they fish did they use the, the larva yeah, they for used fishing? them for all sorts they were feeding like i think they had ducks and chickens on board and they would oh. feed those to the ducks and chickens and they would use them yeah all, for all sorts of stuff you know that's that's Pretty crazy so cool um <laughs> yeah uh, totally this is a slight tangent uh forgive yeah. me but so my mother is a, she keeps bees. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and so if you're a beekeeper, you know that a lot of times they'll kick out dying bees from the hive mm -hmm. um, and they just spit them out right in the front. And so my mom has them on a concrete slab in the backyard. And yeah. so when they kick out those bees, there's some of them that are still kind of kicking around and moving for a yeah. few hours and stuff. I'll go over there and I'll collect all these bees uh -huh. and I'll bring them over and I'll feed them to the Xenogama. Yeah. I used to feed them to collared lizards. The adults yeah. would eat them, the adults eat them. And then the, so do my dwarf iguanas, actually the cactus, uh -huh. they'll, they'll eat them too. That's <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, I was yeah. reading the, the reason I got into the soldier fly, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> rabbit hole is I was, I was looking at those, we saw those, uh, <laughs> The rock lizards, the banded rock lizards oh. uh, in, in the Mirren's Eye in yeah. Southern California when we were yeah. out there. And, and so I'm yeah. like, I was I was reading about them and their, their bee and, and uh, wasp specialists or, or oh. fly specialists. So I was thinking, well, what could I, what species of fly could I breed, you know, to, oh. to kind of feed them flies? But it's a great idea. Know. Yeah. <laughs> they're it's a really they're good cool idea. Lizards. Yeah, they are. Have you ever messed with the, the Baja blue rock or the I've never the kept them? Again? I, no, I've wanted to, I, I also have a soft spot for the, for the Mern's eye or Mern's eye in particular. Yeah. Um, I don't so know cool. why they are. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and I know that people love the Baja blue rocks yeah. because they're just so stunning. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And mm -hmm. everybody loves the pretty lizards. I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm here for it. Um, <laughs> but I, there's something about the Mirren's eye that just we're on the like, same wavelength. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're yeah, so they're cryptic cool. and just they're yeah. just fun to watch. Yeah, they I are. That that'd be cool to have a big cage with them in it. <laughs> they are they're down damn right damn near impossible to approach. You yeah, just yep. they just really will shy. not give you the time of day. Uh -huh. it's, it's amazing. I love <laughs> yep. those lizards, man. Yeah. They're so fun to watch too. So, you know, I, I'm, I think I've 
I've hit on the point where I just want to go see him in the wild. I, I don't oh, yeah. necessarily want to collect them and keep them, mm-hmm. but I, I was thinking if I were to, <laughs> what yep. would I need oh, to yeah. do? You know, yeah. so that kind of sent me down that rabbit hole learning about them and stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, I guess that's the, you know, the, the, the truck, the struggle. And, you know, sometimes you'll have animals that have more specific requirements and, mm-hmm. you know, you run out of space cause you, you know, you got yourself a collection of Mirren's uh, rock lizards <laughs> and you got, yep. uh, you got to have this, you know, giant cage with a big rock face in it or something uh, to yes. keep them happy. And, um, you know, there's, there's different, different challenges that way, but, you know, I, I do think that, uh, you know, having those, those new challenges or those, you know, new species that you've never worked with and that excitement of producing a new species is always a pretty, pretty fun thing. Oh, no doubt. I, I, so another thing I think too, that it is, it is interesting is, um, and I don't know, this might be pure speculation nonsense. So, you know, take it for, (laughs) take it for what it's worth. But, um, I think that the majority of people who I know who who really are stuck on having a diverse collection, like it's gotta be a, a lot. And, and I don't mean, mm-hmm. I don't mean just like an interest in a lot of different things. I mean, like they just, everything's so interesting. Everything is this hot new thing. This is the new thing. This is the new species. I think yeah. people can get a little addicted to that. Yeah. That's called and, the Mac and Wookie. Yeah. I don't know that. What's that from? That's uh that's Owen McIntyre's new handle, the McIntyre. Oh. So uh, Owen is Owen is, is amassing quite a different collection of different okay. animals and stuff. So yeah. I, 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 that episode hasn't come out yet, so that's why Phil hasn't right. heard the Oh, okay. The, yeah, yeah. I yeah, yeah, coined yeah. that on the last episode. Yeah, it's hilarious. Great. I was trying yeah. to think of what the, the term was and I I couldn't remember. Mac and Wookie. That's great. Say it with me, folks. Mac and Wookie. I think I think that needs to be the prize. A shirt, the Mac and Wookie shirt, should be the prize for our uh, future. Like the back of the back of the next carpet fest will have the Mac and Wookie logo on it. It's a good idea. I don't know if Eric Um, will go for that one. I I I I still want to hear his inputs. I don't know. I'm Uh, well. Okay, I'm sorry, Phil. No, it's okay. No, no, no. Dude, I have I I will go off on tangents and talk for hours about something that has nothing to do with any of this. So that's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's no problem. Um, I think we we don't run short of that here. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> no. But Chuck and I do the same. Yeah, but I and and it's not that it's necessarily inherently bad. I mean, I I'm just as guilty of it as anybody. I've I've and it's one of those hard lessons of herpeticulture. Sometimes you see this new animal that you've maybe you've never worked with before or you've never seen before. And you decide, oh, I really want to, I want to mess with that because that's one of the coolest things ever. And it may be that it just doesn't fit with you, with your space, with your preferences mm-hmm. and whatever it may be. And in those cases, you you know, maybe actually, okay, maybe I made a mistake on this project and I, I have to find a better home for it. Yeah. And that's yeah. possible, but I, I, and that's reasonable, totally reasonable. But I do think that there are a lot of people who, and we all know at least one person who's like this where they just cycle through stuff over and over and over again. And they, they keep it for nine months and then move on to something else. They get, you know, they get bored too easily. Yeah. And it's yeah. definitely not my style. I, I agree there. Right. It's like, uh, yeah. it's so obnoxious to see sometimes, but you know, then again, like, 
people, you know, it might, like you said, they may not have a good fit with it or mm -hmm. they just want to move on to the next thing. And as yep. long as they're responsibly moving their projects on, you know, they're not yeah. like just not dumping just... them at a rescue or something like that, you know, then totally. yeah. I, I can't, I guess I can't fault them too much, but you know, some mm -hmm. people want to see how many different species they can breed and you yep. know that kind of thing so some oh, people yeah. have some people just have a short attention span when they just don't yeah. get success with yep. something and they're like oh fuck yep. this you know and then yeah. they dump it it didn't breed like, in 18 months i gotta yeah. get rid of it you know? yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 no i mean i yeah, like the worst. I, and i've i've been i'll be the first to admit i i have been that guy right sure. so when i was younger um I'm, I'm not old i mean i'm 35 now but i when i was in my early 20s and in my teens Sure. I could I couldn't stay with anything, you know. It was yeah. like I I would always find my way back to bearded dragons because you could get them to breed tomorrow, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or leopard geckos. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It was just yeah. I I was kind of stuck on it and I had that problem and now sometimes I have the opposite problem. So I have these these damn cacrics def, uh <laughs> and Alfred Schmidai. I love them and they're super cool, but man, I can't I haven't been able to get them to work yet, but it's mm -hmm. also they're not really going to go anywhere until it, I can get them to work. I mean, and even then, they, it, once I can get them breeding, they're probably not going to go anywhere, you know. <laughs> yeah. But but then yeah. I have other examples of stuff like I used to keep the uh, Phrynocephalus mystaceus, the uh -huh. you know the predator agamas, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I I thought they were going to be the coolest things to keep. And don't get me wrong, very very cool, interesting social behaviors, everything. Mm -hmm. But my God, they were. I, I don't know what it was. I, I'm sure I was doing something wrong, but they did not fit here. They, mm -hmm. they were, they were so grumpy and they bit the shit out of me, man. They bite hard. And, <laughs> and they, they were, they were just really picky and, and, um, didn't like the cage. You know, I tried a dozen different caging styles because they just didn't like what I was giving them. Yeah. And I, I eventually had to move on from the project and, and that's, that was for their benefit, you know, mm -hmm. like it was, clearly I wasn't giving them what they needed and it was meaning it was pointless for me to try to fit a square peg in a round hole, you know, like it's yeah. just, just wasn't worth it. And that was within my specialty, right? That's a desert mm -hmm. lizard. Um, and just for some reason it just didn't pan out. Um, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's hard. That's, that's for sure. But, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, another, another, uh, justification or good reason to have a diverse collection would be for educational purposes, you know, mm -hmm. like a, a zoo or things. And that's, you know, kind of departs from the breeding scenario or the business mm -hmm. scenario. You know, mm -hmm. if you've, if you've got a, you know, it seems like all the reptile YouTubers are starting reptile zoos now and they're, uh, they're kind of popping up all over the place and, mm -hmm. you know, more power to them, I suppose. I guess if mm -hmm. I had unlimited funds and I was well, making, I know, mean, where do you, YouTube, where do you go <laughs> when the flash on right? the internet wears off, yeah. <laughs> you, you invite them to your place and show them the flash. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I, I can't fault them for that. Cause I'd probably do the same thing. Cause mm -hmm. who, you know, what reptile keeper hasn't dreamed of having their own reptile zoo, you know? Yeah, um, no doubt. So, um, yeah. and, and so, you know, to have a, a diverse uh, collection in a, in, in that setting is obviously very mm -hmm. useful. I mean, I couldn't imagine a zoo where you went in and just looked at different ball python more. Yeah. You get bored real quick. Yeah. No, fun. you know, that'd someone's paying to get into that zoo, man. Someone's <laughs> right. like, I gotta yeah, see might, but, Yeah. <laughs> and, and, That's... and, you know, to, I guess to that point is uh, mo I, I know that uh, Terry kind of said, 
for a zoo to function, you have to have the big five, you know, a giant snake, a giant tortoise, a crocodilian of some sort, you know, and, and like the, cobra. there's a, a cobra, yeah, a dangerous venomous animal and, and some other you know, group, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and like, that's kind of what you had to have to be successful. And so, um, I, you know, the, for the most part, the public couldn't, name you know five different reptiles you know specifically yeah. or scientifically yeah, yeah 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 they tried so Ooh. you know it, it i think some of the diversity and some of the unique species is kind of lost on the general public but you know obviously like a zoo that's trying to do some conservation work and things you know yeah. they might have to specialize in some mm -hmm. ways on their projects but but overall you know they need that diverse uh yeah collection here we go i got it this is the this is, are you ready? This is the, <laughs> yeah, this is let's the, hear the, it. the finishing blow. Okay. Um, <laughs> the death so, blow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, not really, but I, so I just thought of this though. Um, so I will say, I think, so it's obvious that her pediculture is changing, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's a, we're a super, super young industry. We don't have any political representation or lobby we don't have a, a like any other than fish and wildlife, really. We don't have like a really powerful or, or effective governing body. Um, we don't have an, you know, other than getting your degree in zoology with a, with a herpetical, uh, herpetology focus, we don't necessarily have an education system put in place for, for what we do. I think that it may be, um, and, I, and, and I think it's, a, it's, this isn't just my opinion. It seems to be a trend that, some level of specialization seems to be what allows um, a greater diversity on a, on a, on a, on a, on an industry wide scale to survive. So, you know, I, I think I personally, anyway, I tend to follow the people I tend to follow and pay attention to while there are plenty of people who keep, you know, let's say like Ron St. Pierre, very, very diverse collection of reptiles. And yeah, I pay attention yeah. to what he's doing because I got a lot of respect for the guy, mm -hmm. but I also very much enjoy a Frank Payne or a, um, uh, 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 I'm actually blanking, um, uh, like a, like a, like a, like a phantom dragon, right. Or a fairy tale dragons, right. Like mm -hmm. people who, who really do focus on one or, or a small number of things. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for Frank, I mean, it's, it's entirely, it's entirely possible that we might not really have a great, uh, carpet chameleon population or, or uh, 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 a a Williams eye population in the United yeah. States. Yeah. And if, if everyone keeps a diverse collection, there's not necessarily the, the sort of um, captive arc as it were, mm -hmm. right. Uh, to support um, the herpeticulture industry with that particular animal. Um, and, it, and I think the future of this industry may be that sort of artisanal, niche based um it, it, at least in terms of business like if you're going to be in herpeticulture you, you might find more success in specialization and you might get a little bit more success in bringing um a healthy group of animals you know and 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 put less pressure on the wild population i mean obviously that doesn't necessarily hold up with everything because we've got more than enough ball pythons here and they yeah. still pull them out of, out of ghana all the time right Mm -hmm. yeah. If I Go could ahead, just Jeff. jump in and say, you know, yeah. I, I, to, to uh, 100% to that point, and I wanted mm -hmm. to go back to this because, you know, Justin made the point that, that uh, you know, a lot of times 
the 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 in flavor changes and you have to cater to that mm, but i think mm-hmm. the people that you see who you know the frank paynes the ron mm-hmm. st pierre's the yourself who have you know a specialization that they articulate why it's amazing that they have a passion for it and they can share that passion and the rest of the community. One, you'll always have that section of the community who is just diehard reptile people who will always be a Mm. fan of that. Right. But I think when you can communicate that love to uh, the reptile community at large, people support that. The, the and, and Nick Button is a great, you know, like Nick just does carpets and he communicates mm. his love for carpets very well. He's not the mm-hmm. only person doing carpets, not by far, but he, you know, and 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 Nick obviously is a salesman in his craft. Um, mm-hmm. But but nonetheless, I think the point that I'm making is when you have somebody who's passionate, talented, and can articulate why they love their specialty, that translates and people want to keep electric blue day geckos because they feel that Frank Payne is right, that that's oh, yeah. important, right? Right. Yeah. And it doesn't I, help, I, it doesn't hurt <clears throat> that they're nice and blue. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. Hurt. I do agree. That's a, that's a very good uh, hit there. And, and I, you know, to to your side, (laughs) but, uh, but I I would say too, there's, there's some um, inherent risk in that to some extent, because we look Mm -hmm. at uh, what happened when um, uh, Bert Langworth died. Yes. Could you find Australian water dragons anymore? No, they just disappeared overnight almost, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of times when we say, okay, um, oh, I want to do your mastics, but but Phillips, the guy to do your mastics. So I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to step on his toe. So I'm going to find something else to specialize in. You yeah. know, I'm going to find some rare, obscure thing. And, you know, yeah. I, I think um, it's good to have groups, you know, so, yep. you know, to, to have redundancy and to have, and, you know, mm. I've been sending a few uh, different species out to, to friends to make sure that they're in, you know, good hands in different mm-hmm. collections. So in case something happens to my collection or something happens to me, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, the bloodlines are out there and the animals yep. are out there. Also, I yeah. think too, I, you know, I, I do consider my collection somewhat diverse, but at the same yeah. time specialized in, in, in the fact that, you know, the, the animals that I have the most numbers of are the ones that fewer people are breeding and that I mm-hmm. kind of have specialized in. And, and that would be, you know, the Antaresia, the, mm-hmm. the Western Stimpsons. And that's kind yeah. of my specialty, even though I have a lot of different things, but I've only got like one or two pairs of the other stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I so would say, I, it's I would diverse, say, in, but it's not you, specialized. you, you, yeah. you generalize on in, in, in an aspect, but you yeah. also specialize in certain aspects of being general, like you, yeah. you stick to yeah. basically one continent, but you have yeah. some specialties within there. Right. So exactly. it kind of, so it's kind of having my cake and eating it too, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> which hey, man, I didn't have both sides, but that's what it is. It's not the awesome part though. Right. Because yeah. you can be a bit of a generalist, but still do be a bit of a specialist too. So mm-hmm. it's like this, conversation is super nuanced right yeah yeah exactly and i think that's you know and and like i was saying before i can i can adjust that so if all of a sudden everybody and their dog are producing western stems i can slow that down yeah kind of put them you know yeah mm-hmm. stop pairing them up for a while and, and start pairing up something else that you know might you know like the inlands this year that's kind of one of my focuses this year is getting those inlands going getting you know more diverse uh, and and specialized or or 
cool yeah. looking uh, inlands produce. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's looking good on that front, but you know, that's the, the way it goes. Has the market for inlands gotten better? There's, there seems to be a lot of demand in them and there's yeah. not very many out there. I mean, I think Nick no, that's fair. clutch and, and there may be somebody else or, you know, one or two clutches in, yeah. in the country, you know, so yeah. I've got a list of people so that crazy. want inlands. I, you know? I don't, I and, don't, I don't. I'm so surprised it's that funny, right? are not it's, bigger it's than they. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's because they don't photograph well. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're yeah. ugly in pictures. Yeah. You get them in hand, and you're like, "Whoa, this thing's crazy." You know. Yeah. That's true. That's the hard thing, and then you know That's they start. What out really saying. Early. Yep. <laughs> well, so, and, and and I mean. Not not every reptile is everybody's cup of tea either. That's so true. you could feel more the most passionately about the species you keep, and and then you show it to somebody and they're like, oh, that's cool. You know what else you got? Yeah. You know, and you're, no, that's uh, true. That's Very about true. it. That's what I've got. This is this yeah. is me. This is my interest. You know. Right. Um, I don't think we can be friends. Please move on. <laughs> Loser, dude. <laughs> yeah. You don't yeah. like this. Isn't your favorite thing? Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. It's 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 definitely a nuanced topic, and I I think mm -hmm. we we hit some good points on on both sides here. And uh, me too. You know, there's this was a really good conversation. Yeah. Yeah, man. I I totally agree. And you know, it's it's funny because, um. You know, with with less, you know, it's just like with euros, right? If we're going to mm -hmm. be, because that's my main deal. Yeah. So, yeah. I used to, I, I for a long time, my goal was like I got to breed every one of them, every single mm -hmm. species, right? Yeah. And I got to this point where I was able to get okay, all of the species in the states that I can get my hands on, I I bred them, yeah. and it was it's great fun, and it's like a resume buffer, and it makes me feel yeah. really good, and it's fun. Mm -hmm. But then you know, you get into some stuff where you have like Euromastix dispar maliensis and Euromastix dispar dispar. Yeah, they're pretty much that they don't look that different. Right. Yeah. They, I mean, to my eye, obviously they do, but that's because I'm mm -hmm. in the know. Right. But mm -hmm. they're so similar and it's it, it's not necessarily useful to have. I mean, it, I don't I'm not going to leave it out altogether because they're great sure. animals. Right. Yeah. But it's not necessarily effective for me to put a lot of effort into maintaining two separate subspecies that don't, that aren't terribly different, that may be joined again in classification and may yeah. spill it even further. I mean, it's just not necessarily very <laughs> useful, right? Whereas yeah. what I've done now is I've reduced my, I still have like eight species here, but regardless, um, the species that I'm focusing on are ones that obviously I like best personally, but also that I think have a great future in herpeticulture. And that's allowed um, other people uh, so there are a handful of other people breeding euros now and they're getting, people are getting more consistent, which is freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, and what that's given is an opportunity for some other folks to pick up the mantle with say your mastics ocelata, your mastics or not a philbii um, mm. with, with some of these flava fasciata, people are able to take up that particular euro and say, all right, well, I know Phil's not working with those and I don't care for ornates as much as Phil does. So I'm going to, I'm going to work with Flavies, right? They're just, mm -hmm. that's my thing. Um, and further, I, I still, I, I need more people to pick up the mantle and work with Ornata too, because mm -hmm. it, as you pointed out, if I get shot tomorrow or if I have a heart attack or something, <laughs> that's it. Ornates are gone, right? There's a few people breeding them out there, but they're, I got the largest collection of ornates probably in the world, honestly. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I obviously I can't say that for sure. I don't know. There's probably some mm -hmm. dude in Europe with a million of them. I don't know. But mm -hmm. as far as I know, anyway, definitely in the United States. So it's like, that's a risky thing, which is why mm -hmm. I need more people to do the same. Yeah. And 
but it's also so nice to be able to see, all right, well, my friend Nick Alexander is kicking some ass with his Philby eye and he's got like, I don't know, eight pairs of those things rolling this year. Mm-hmm. And so it's, and I don't do them anymore at all. Yeah. And it's so nice to have that ability, you know, because it would have been kind of cool to say, to see the same thing with bearded dragons, for example, like it would be, it would have been so sweet if you got your viticeps and then you had like a person specializing in Barbata and then you got a person specializing in the Rankins. Mm-hmm. That'd be so, you know, and, and, and both of those are still around, but it, they're just not around like viticeps are, you know? Well, here, here's my question to you then. So if, if, uh, you know, they're pretty much similar in their care and, and, and maintenance and things. Is it possible? I mean, if you had a pair of those, you know, Philby I or whatever, yeah. uh, the other species and just had them on hand as, as kind of a insurance colony in case something happens to your buddy, mm-hmm. who's, who's specializing in those. Yeah. I, I see that as a really, uh, you know, having that diversity, but maybe shallow diversity. So yeah. you're not necessarily producing them every year. You're, you produce them every once in a while. Maybe your buddy has a bad year and you think, Oh, I'll pair mine up, you know, and that yep. kind of thing. And then I'll send him a couple or, or, you know, you diversify a little that way. Oh, yeah. um, I, I think that could, you know, only be a help to the, the industry as a whole, but where your focus lies is kind of that, you know, the, or not a, or not a, you know, but that's yeah. still specialization, right? You know I mean, you, yeah. you're, you're but just it's not, you're, you're, you're just, uh, but there's a huge diversity of things that, that are maintained the same way, you know, that fit right. the same I get that. habitat and, and the same keep, like you said, desert lizards that covers multiple continents and you sure. know, multiple, yeah, no, totally. but, 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 yeah. but I mean, you have to, okay. So go, kind of tying those two points that I, the, the point I made earlier is like, Phil has to be there to specialize to, yeah to show people, Oh man, these are fucking amazing. Then they start doing their thing, which allows him to continue to specialize in his thing, but also bring other people in. So, so, so specialization is almost a way that you can build a diverse network. Whereas if everybody generalizes, it's much harder to build that, that diverse network because nobody is the guy, right. And nobody's ever going to stay the guy you know, forever, which is why you have to, you know, be strategic in how you are the guy at that time. Right. Yes. What's what's really just a head scratcher for me too, is going back to Bert Langworth, right? Mm -hmm. He was very free with information. Yeah. He would help you succeed and like talk to you on the phone and tell you what you were doing wrong in some cases. And, you know, even piss you off if you, if you didn't want to hear that, you know, we heard a a fun story on the herp trip about that, but you know, he was pretty blunt uh, being of European descent, but um, you know, where, that's what baffles me is that I guess everybody just thought, Oh, he's the guy. Why do I try Mm -hmm. to compete with him? You know, I'm not going to keep Australian water dragons or whatever, because that's his thing, you know, and that's, that's a shame. And I think we need to move past that, get past that perception because I mean, 300 million people in the U S there, you know, or plus there there's, and, and there's lots of room for, for multiple people doing the same thing. I mean, you know, the reptile world is a little smaller than that. And, you know, you might, but, but if, if ball pythons have taught us anything is we can produce a crap ton of those and, and they find homes, you know, and, and some for big money. So, you know, we, we, don't want to don't want to think of this as like a oh that's his area you know i mean mm-hmm. and, and yeah yeah you might mix it up a little bit but you can also be 
the the Australian water dragon guy, even though there's a Burt Langorf in the world, you know, when totally. So. It, it's it's definitely not winner take all i think mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. right. and i re, right. and i really think yeah. that um you know you said it there's there's 300 i think it's yeah 330 ish million people mm-hmm. in the united states our industry is only going to get bigger especially yeah. you know like the more densely packed people get the less yeah. likely people are going to be wanting dogs, dogs. and larger mm-hmm. animals people are going to want smaller pets right yeah um and and i think Herpeticulture, and especially as like we start getting better ability to move animals across borders in due time, like mm-hmm. especially, you know, in a hundred in a hundred years, we'll probably move reptiles as easily as we move koi. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or at least hopefully, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so then you have a global market, but but it, it's not even just about market specifically. So um, I do definitely do exactly what you're saying, Justin. So I, you know, my or not are my focus, but I also have a handful of others because I think that they are. You know, you know, for example, the rare ones, the ones that I think don't necessarily have a, a very, very long, um, like a long term future. Yeah. People um, struggle with more that are not commonly imported and things like that. Yeah. yeah. So like Thomas I, Princeps and Yemenensis, those mm-hmm. are the, the three that I hold on to that are very, very rare. There's only a few people doing them. And mm-hmm. if, if, if I go, they're gone. You mm-hmm. know, that's just the way it is. There are a few people... And thankfully now we got some Yemenensis and some other places and some Princeps mm-hmm. and Thomas I, but it's still like, it's a long road ahead. Mm-hmm. But I've also got ones like Moroccans, you know, Euromastix nigroventris. These things, I mean, they used to get imported by the thousands mm-hmm. and I don't know what happened, but yeah. nobody, nobody works with them anymore. Other than, I mean, I've, I've got them and I know a couple of people with a couple of pairs, but that's it. And Moroccans yeah. are, I mean, they might even be the best euro for the pet trade in some way. I mean, I think ornate are the best, but, you know, Moroccans, both sexes get incredible color, both of them, yeah. not just one. Yeah. And they, they're a little bit larger. They're a little tougher. They're a little more cold tolerant. They're a little more tolerant of beginner error. Um, and the only pain in the ass for me is that the babies hate each other. So I have to split them off all the time because they just <laughs> br- brutalize yeah. one another. That's a downside, but it's not that yeah. big of a deal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I so I've got my plan is to focus mostly on the Ornata, but I've got uh, the Nigra Ventris. I've got the JRI, which are the Saharan Euromastics. And, um, you know, I've got Egyptians, but only one pair of those. Cause they're sort of, they're so big. There's not that many yeah. people that can care for them. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, the idea is the hope is to have some room for all of those things going forward. Yeah. And, and as you said, maybe the, the JRI, I take a couple of years where I don't put them together and they just do that. They just, they could just can grow because somebody else is doing a bunch of JRI this time, yeah. you know, or, but, but at the, at this point, it's also for me, it's about um, like space out space allocation and, 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 and long-term sustainability. So sure. yeah. because I have so many ornates, I can ensure that it doesn't matter if they never get imported again from the wild. I got plenty of animals here. We mm-hmm. got enough ornates for a long, long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not necessarily true of a lot of the other ones. And so mm-hmm. then it becomes a balance of like, do I commit to keeping the ornates alive and making sure that there's plenty of genes for the future? Or do I continue to keep my ornate colony just a little smaller in favor of a small group of Thomasi? You know, it's like, yeah, that's, very, I mean, that's, 
that's the balance. Right. And, and I yeah. guess that may be where like, like Bert did where, you know, it seems like a lot of breeders are kind of tight lipped with how they're successful. And so, you mm -hmm. know, if you get somebody like Bert that just shares the information, you yep. know, tells you how to exactly how to do it and show, you mm -hmm. know, shows you. And, uh, you know, if you find somebody that's just as excited about your mastics, you know, you kind of guide them into that, you know, here, here's yep. a great niche you could fill. Here's a great nipper you could cover, you know, yep read this species yeah. and yeah and i think you know um things stop being mm -hmm. imported and so yeah. then you know if you're working with those all of a sudden you have a very very yep. valuable project and if you've kind of honed your skills and got a diverse mm -hmm. genetic collection while mm -hmm. they're being imported yeah. all the better you know you're you're just that much better off and and you've got a clean you know colony by that time so you're not worrying mm -hmm. about dirty imports and you got captive bred mm -hmm. animals that are people would pay a little more for a captive bred versus yep. a wild caught in, you know, most, most, most times, at least if they've yeah. done their homework. And, so, and Bert, yeah. I mean, shout out to the goat, man. I mean, he's, as far as I'm concerned, he was the, the best that's ever done it, you know? And, um, uh, yeah. he, it, and yeah. I love that, that same willingness to share. I'm trying to, I try to copy that, you know, as best I can and not to, mm -hmm. I don't mean this to toot my own horn. It's not meant to sound that way, but it's going to sound that way is, the people who are doing well with Euromastics anyway, that like the, the other few people are people who copied me, you know what I mean? And I don't mean, I don't mean mm -hmm. frame for yeah. frame, but like, we're, you know, sure. paying attention when I said, Hey, don't do that. They just like, okay, I won't do that. You know, like, and the, the, yeah, the people yeah. who, yeah. yeah and it, and it just baffles me when you still get people who you're like, they come to you for all this advice and they ask you all these questions and how do you do it? And you know, you, you spend the time and you tell them, it's like, you do these things and they come to you a year later and they're like, wow, man, it's it, I, all my eggs failed. And you say, well, did you, did you do what I told you to and not house them together? And they're like, no, they're together. I'm like, you just, I told you, I told, I told you how to do <laughs> it. You, go. you just, you just got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and uh -huh. I, I think that that may have been why Bert was, could be blunt from time to time because that dude, mm -hmm. he was just so, so cued in man he had so much great insight yeah. and so much time studying and observing and paying attention that's just oh man i i wish that guy was still around yeah yeah yep. he's definitely missed you know and, and i guess we need to carry that oh, torch yeah. you know help yep. help people help help those around you mm -hmm. succeed because it's it's all yeah. of our success you know you can be the greatest breeder but as soon as you go away like what, what do you have right. to show for it yeah. you know if if you didn't get those things established i i say this in the lab all the time because we've got mm -hmm. some technicians that think oh i'm the only one that can you know make this work and it's like if you can't train somebody to do the things you're doing then you know yeah, it's not, what it's good not are sustainable. you? You, know, you got to be able to to pass yeah. on the information, pass that because that's yeah. your legacy. You know, if if this is what you're you're doing and this is your focus, pass that legacy on. Get somebody else that knows your secrets and and, can, and from and from that standpoint, diversity is the key to success. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you yeah, have exactly. to have. You have to be. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, you can specialize. Yeah. You can specialize. But you have but, to, but as a, as a to, community, you know, think yeah. about, think about those breeders who are like, oh, if I tell everybody what the secret is, you know, <laughs> and then they, they stop working yeah. with it or mm -hmm. they, you know, something happens and yes, I know, I know, <laughs> but you and know, then they can apply yeah. it to other things. Like, you uh -huh. know, you're saying if, yeah. if you get into your and you find out, well, ornates aren't really for me and Phillips mm -hmm. doing a lot of those, I'm going to, I'm going to 
check yeah. out this group of yeah. mastics and they excel at those. And, and not every reptile is going to do that great in, mm-hmm. in your area. Totally. You know, there's yeah. just some people that like trying to keep, you know, desert reptiles in the, the Southeast could be a, yep. a huge challenge, you know, cause it's just too humid and they yep. just don't do yep. so great there. So, you know, you got to find what works for you. And that's another thing that Bert did really well was finding those things that worked Damn right. where he lived and could be kept outdoors in outdoor cages. And, you know, he, he, and he, he did it that kind of low, um, uh, let the sun uh-huh. give them their UV, let the yeah, sun do man. the work. You know, I'm in a breed breed rodents Dubia. and, and, and uh, insects that do well outside. I mean, he was the one that introduced the superworm to herpetoculture legend, for the most man. part, you know, and what a legend. So yeah, yeah, cool yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. And and hopefully, and I think things are yeah. changing a little bit, you know, I think that this whole, this old thing yeah. where people would guide or uh, guard their trade secrets and stuff like that. I think that's all going away because I think the more people we have mm-hmm. doing stuff, the more we realize like there's no, it's not like you're going to feed euros some special flower and it all works all of a sudden. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very right. holistic thing. Yeah, right. and, and I think that it's mm-hmm. very likely that in 150 years, we're going to look back and say, okay, all these things that we thought were super, super easy, like a leopard gecko, a bearded dragon, a corn snake, a ball python, turns out they were a little more complicated than we gave them credit for. And then all these things that we think are the hardest things in the world, like you know, croc monitors and, and, uh, uh, Bolin's pythons and all this stuff. We're going to bring them all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're going to bring them right down into the middle and be like, actually, they're not that bad because it's, it, you know, eventually you're just stacking that knowledge and stacking that information and it won't seem so complicated anymore. And, um, and, and captive yeah, yeah. red animals, you know, oh, you're, God. You're, yeah. you're uh, establishing a very healthy population of captive red animals that are used mm-hmm. to captivity. And, but that, that takes, much better. but to do that takes oh, work yeah, yeah, in yeah. the initial. Oh, yeah. And it's hard in the initial. And <laughs> if you think is. of everything that we talked about, it's uh-huh. hard to get it going. But once it's going, you realize, okay, this is the thing. And, and, and but it takes, <laughs> it takes that work and, to do that, yeah. right? You have and, to and do you, that work. We've talked about that too, where, you know, like, okay, you bred them once or you bred them twice or you bred them five times. Are you Mm -hmm. the expert, you know, or you, did you get lucky five years? You know, it's hard to say, okay, this is what worked and this is, this is how you do it. You know, like you said, you know, experience is, is kind of hard to pass on to some extent because they've got to do the work on there. They've got to listen to what you're saying first off, you know, and and they've got to maybe adapt it a little bit to their surroundings and their circumstances. But for the most part, you know, you can kind of work out what they need to, to, thrive and and do well and have the best chance of success um but you know that yep. sometimes that's hard to, to and this get is across, why this is know, why specialization is so important because yeah. if because <laughs> yeah. you, you, you're never gonna i think yeah. it's gonna be you, you may never uncover some of those some of those uh those little bits of info if you don't d- delve in the time you know and it i can i use a lot of martial arts yeah. comparisons you know because I'm, I'm a martial artist and it's like mm-hmm. you can I can show you in five minutes, I can show you exactly what you need to know to do the, a perfect rear naked choke or a perfect arm bar, right? I've been doing this 15 years. I know mm-hmm. how to do each of those. But unless you spend the time trying those moves on div- like hundreds and hundreds of diverse types of resisting opponents, you're never going to be able to, you're just mm-hmm. never going to be able to apply it, you know? And, 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 yeah. and that's what yep. I think right. that's what speaks to what you were just saying is like, 
I could have somebody that I could impart all this Euromastics, whatever to them, but until they go through the motions and do it themselves and walk those steps, it, it, it's probably not going to work the same way, you know? Um, and, and, mm -hmm. and you, yeah, mm -hmm. developing technique it's a takes lot of time, repetition. Man. And that's why mm -hmm. I love that. Yep. I love that, yep. that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm half Japanese and Korean and I just love that ancient, you know, that Japanese, that love of just getting into the, just the same thing over and over and over and over and over mm -hmm. again. I just love it, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it takes, you know. That's that's what it is. It's yeah. discipline, it's right? Discipline. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's kind of what you it's, boil yeah. it down uh, to. And, and you and, don't ditch it just because it right. doesn't breed in right. eighteen months. You know, keep keep at it. And that discipline really applies to reptiles. It really applies a lot to the pitfalls of reptiles because there's so many of them, mm -hmm. and you can do. There's so much available. There's there's just it's it, and I am so with you, Phil. And there's just such mm -hmm. lessons to be taught by that discipline, by that focus, by that yeah. repetition, um, you know, and, and it's, yep. it's such a huge, you know, it's such a huge yeah. teacher of patience, of mm -hmm. technique, of all these things that are absolutely critical to, to hard earned. And successes. then you can take that because, mm -hmm. you know, if you're successful in one thing, that's like Musashi said, uh, to know the way specifically, or I mean, to know the way broadly is to know the way specifically, or, or it might be the other way around. Mm -hmm. Right. So it, if you're successful in one mm -hmm. thing, you can take those lessons and put them into something else. It's like, I, okay, I bred euros, but if I decided to go and do tree monitors next year, I could pretty, I guarantee you I could make it work. I, I mean, it might take me a few years, but I'll figure yeah. it out. And, and it's because I know I can yeah. say, all right, I'm going to respond to these animals and I'm not going to give up right away. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to fail as fast as I can, because that's how quick, that's the quickest way for me to learn, you know? And, um, yeah. Yeah. I think you just tie both our sides into one. I, I don't think you can have one I'm without the, the other. I'm clear so. winner. I'm clearly the yep. winner. <laughs> uh, just kidding. By, by, by merging the two, two you've, you've taken over all, everything and you're the winner. Yeah. No, that was great, man. That was really good, fun. Good. Really, really fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah great man. discussion. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Um, Throw out your information. Yeah. I mean, you, you were on a while back, but let, yeah, where so, can people uh, find I'm you? I'm on Instagram and Facebook as uh, Arids Only. That's A R I D S O N L Y. And uh, on Facebook is Philip Leeds. Um, I do have a Facebook page also that's Arids Only, but I I always forget to post there. I usually post on my personal page and, and whatever. And then AridsOnly.com. But yeah. Instagram is where I post most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Good stuff, man. I, I still need to get Please. out and see your stuff one Any, of these days. Both yeah, of you guys really are welcome. Cool. Yeah, worth the trip. You guys sure. are both so, welcome anytime. Yeah, yeah. And likewise, you're Thank welcome you. out here. So it'd be fun to get I'd you out. I'd love to do that. Again. Yeah, that'd be great. Time. No, I know <laughs> what you mean. Again. I know. I, that'd be a yeah. great time. We got to do yeah. maybe one of these, uh, whether I'll, I'll come out to Utah or something, or maybe one of these days we'll go down to SoCal and, and find some, uh, we'll go find some Baja yeah. collared lizards together, man. Yeah, 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 that sounds good. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. All right, anything from you, Chuck? Mm, no, that okay. was great. All right, well, um, thanks uh, to Morelli Pythons Radio for uh, hosting our podcast. Check them out at MoreliaPythons.com. Uh, wait, <laughs> is that right? I, I always forget. <laughs> Does that sound right, Chuck? MoreliaPythonRadio.com. MoreliaPythonRadio.com. Anyway. Radio. Radio. Uh, All those talks are getting to you, man. This. 
yeah exactly i'm my brain is shot today um you are not for a listening you're not a pitch man that's for sure yeah, right. <laughs> no the i uh, homage to the pod father he's he's uh he's doing a good job um all right well uh, thanks for listening to reptile fight club and we'll catch you again next week we'll be back for another black belt performance fight club